If you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Malachi, chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 9. Malachi is the very last book in the Old Testament for those that may not know exactly where it is. So if you find Matthew, just back up one book and you'll be right there. Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces and the refuse of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant was with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me, and he was reverent before my name. And the law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and he turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways, but you have shown partiality in the law. You may be seated. I'm actually starting something this Sunday um, that I was going to start at the beginning of the year. Some of you may remember at the beginning of the year that I was going to start a series on the responsibilities between a pastor and the church and the responsibilities between the church and the pastor the responsibilities between each other individually in the midst of the congregation. I was going to start a series on accountability and all the issues that take place with why there are places and purposes and, and, and ministries inside of the church. Today I'm going to start and, and all night I sort of thought and prayed about and I wanted to know, God... What is your purpose behind this? Why, why is it that you want this message this morning? And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that God is faithful. I do know that for whatever reason He has, He will accomplish what He sent it out to do. Not me. It's not my job to force His Word to enter into hearts. It's not my job to try to convict people of their sin. It's my job to speak the truth of His Word and then let His Holy Spirit go throughout the hearts of all these people and work it in whichever way He sees fit. So I pray this morning that you find the purpose in this message. This morning's message is going to pertain primarily to pastors and teachers. So I ask pastors, teachers to pay close attention this morning. It will also 
speak probably to deacons or any other person that, that holds a position in the church of some type of leadership. But primarily, pastors, preachers, I know we got a lot of preachers in here, got a lot of preachers, and I praise God for that. But y'all listen to me this morning. This message is for us. This message is God's word to us. If you'll notice in the very first verse of Malachi chapter 2, the very first verse says, And now, O priests, this commandment is for who? In the first chapter of Malachi, if you were to go back and do some research, you would see that God has just addressed not only the priest, but He has addressed all of the congregation of Israel, all of His children, because number one, the priests were not upholding the law the way that they should. They were allowing any form of worship to take place, whatever, not the worship that was prescribed by God's law, but just whatever worship you wanted to bring, bring it on in. They were supposed to bring the best of their flocks to sacrifice to God, not the leftover, not the lame, not the ones that they couldn't get any money for if they went to sold it. They were supposed to bring the best that they had to God, the unblemished, the unspoiled, the one that was perfect in all its ways, and yet the priest did not stop the people from bringing in the lame and the sick. And they were sacrificing all the leftover stuff to God. And God said, I hate this. I hate this worship. I hate you bringing this worship in here with your hands raised and your glory to God, but yet you give me only what's left over of your life. Boy, the Holy Spirit just said something right there. It ain't even in my message. Think about that. Let me, let me hit on that for just a minute. Did y'all catch that? He said, I hate this getting up early on Sunday morning, coming to Sunday school. I hate this, you coming into the, your feet waiting to get into the church house. I hate this Wednesday night loving every bit of what we do and, and the ministry that you do, and yet the only thing you give me is what's left over in your life. After all my bills are paid, I see what I got left, God. What I got left, you can have. After all the work that I have to do to, um, to enjoy my pleasures, to have the things that I want, after I put all my time in all those things, then, God, you can have what's left over. Ain't that way we are? Come on now, I'm preaching to myself this morning too. I just, I'm getting real with myself. But yet God told them, He said, I hate that kind of worship. I hate that kind of worship and I despise your sacrifices. I despise your ministries. I despise your offerings because they're half-heartedly given to me and it's just what's left over. And he starts pleading with them. But then he not only addresses the priest and the church, but when he gets to chapter 2, he finally gets to a point to where he says, okay, okay, now let me get off the congregation. Listen, pastors. Listen, teachers, because this commandment is for you. Now, granted, listen to me. I'm not saying that pastors are priests carried on from the Old Covenant. The job of the priest in the Old Covenant was primarily to stand in as mediator between man and God. He was sanctified. He first offered gifts and offerings for himself so that he could be right with the Father. Then he could enter into the place of the presence of God to stand in between you and God. His job was to offer sacrifice so that you could be 
one with God again. His job was to teach the law. His job was to show you exactly what God expected. Now granted, today in the New Testament covenant, now we are all priests of God. The Bible calls us a holy priesthood. It calls us a royal priesthood. And the reason that is is because whenever there was something that used to separate in the temple the congregation from God. Does anybody remember what it was? A veil. Only the high priest could go behind the veil, correct? The reason that was was because of our sin. You had to be sanctified to come into the presence of God. He was holy. We are wretched. And yet, whenever Christ died and He made the final sacrifice, the once-for-all payment for all the sin of mankind, what happened to that veil? It was torn in two. It was separated. The holiest of holies was open for all to come into, for everyone to come directly to the presence of God, to come boldly to the throne room of grace in our time of need because our high priest now stands at the right hand of the Father and we can come directly to that place. Our mediator now is no longer a man priest. That's the problem with the Catholic Church today. A lot of their beliefs are just like our beliefs. A lot of them. But the biggest problem I have is the fact that, Ricky Lee, I don't need you to stand in between me and God. I now, because of my Lord and Savior, have access to the Father just like the priests have. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. A chosen people set apart. And now we come to God. Through Jesus Christ, our high priest, there is no longer a need for a priest to offer sacrifice. So my job as pastor, I'm not telling you, is to come up here and offer sacrifices for you so you can go to God. Absolutely not. Jesus Christ has fulfilled every area of the priesthood. He's our mediator between God. He is our great teacher. He is our example. He is everything that the priests were supposed to, that the priests were supposed to be in the Old Testament. Well, now, there's no more sacrifice for sin. However... There are certain areas of the priesthood that have rolled over to the New Testament church. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Hold your place in Malachi, because you won't ever find it again. <coughs> You'll think it jumped out of your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm just going to read it off this screen right here. And he himself gave some. Who gave some? Who's he talking about here? Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, right? He has become our sacrifice, our example, our great teacher. He has become everything that the priests were. But he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, and the purpose is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The end result is what? That we become Christ-like. The end result is that we have been born again. We have been bought and paid for. We have been delivered from sin to become just like Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest. All right? But then he says he gave some 
to help in this matter. Jesus Christ, even though He is still fulfilling every position of the priesthood, He gave certain positions in His body to say, your job is now to carry out these roles. Pastors and teachers now take on the role that, the God, is deli- that God is talking to the priesthood about in Malachi chapter 2 right here. The role of teaching the law of God. The role of being the example before the flock. So that's why today I can take this scripture from Malachi chapter 2 and I can say, pastors and teachers, listen closely. Listen closely to what this says. In Malachi chapter 2, I want to look at what God expected from the priest, or in this case, the pastors and the teachers. I want to see what he expected in the area of teaching and preaching and being an example. And where did they fall short? Where, what is it that you should look for in a pastor? You know, we've had a whole bunch of pastor search committees uh, over, the, over the last uh, 12, 14 years, however long it's been. Not a whole bunch, but several pastor search committees. And you know, it's kind of funny that we've never actually known necessarily anything to look for in these men of God other than what we read in the book of First Timothy chapter 3. Granted, those are great qualifications. But I want you to look at some of the things that God said they failed at. Malachi chapter 2 verse 2. If you will not hear, I ain't got to go no further than right there to tell you the first mistake of a pastor or a teacher who is failing at their priesthood and what they're supposed to be. The first thing is this. They wouldn't listen to God. You know, there's a difference in um, teaching the Bible. There's a difference in leading a Bible study and speaking the inspired Word of God. Anybody can lead a Bible study. Anybody can pick that Bible up and read some scriptures to you. But there's a difference in somebody that has got on their face and said, God, what do you want me to see? There's a difference in somebody that has spent time on their knees and said, God, what do these people need? God, don't just show me your word as a whole. Point it out to me. Show me exactly what it is that we need to see. A man or woman that listens to God, you can rest assured that they will be everything that God expects them to be in either the role of pastor or teacher, whichever the case may be. Either way, he said, you will not hear me. You have got to a point in your life that you won't listen to what I say. You're just putting things together. Teachers, you just, you, you may, maybe you're just putting lessons together. Maybe you're just hoping that Lifeway gives you a good one this week. I mean, and, and they do. Don't get me wrong, but let me explain something to you. Lifeway, how many of them, how many times a year have they been in this church to see what this church needs? How much could they possibly know about you personally? Are you just like every other Christian out there? Are you on the same level in your walk as every other Christian out there? No. You know, it's good for a a teacher to be able to just get down in his face and say, God, show me. Is this something? You know, on Wednesday nights when I do Bible study, there's several in here that come to the Wednesday night Bible study. I lead a Bible study. But let me tell you the difference I believe in the Bible study that I lead and, and possibly many others. And I, I'm not trying to call out any examples to say this Bible study's not or, or this teacher's not. I'm trying to preach just what God's Word says. 
The difference, I believe, is this. Every time I sit down to do that study, it may be one chapter after the other from the book of Samuel or Acts or wherever we go. But the one thing that I make sure I do, I get on my face and I say, God, I don't just want to see what you were doing and how you were doing it. God, I want to see exactly what kind of lessons I can learn and we can learn specifically for our own lives. And every Wednesday night I try to come up with at least two or three main points for you to remember, for you that you can personally apply to your life. And those points are not just for New Zion or Highland Baptist Church or, or the Church of God at the well or wherever the case may be. No, these points are built and thought of directly from the throne of God, directly for you and me. I truly believe that with all my heart. I believe if I were to go preach at um, Ephesus Church of Christ or wherever the case may be, the points probably might even be completely different. Same lesson, but it may not be exactly the same that God is trying to get across to those people. The first quality of, a, of, of this failed pastor right here, this failed teacher... They stopped listening to God. They got to a point to where they did not be sensitive to hear His voice. Teachers and pastors and preachers, I'm telling you, always be super sensitive to say, God, I just I want to hear Your voice. I want to know that this is the direction that You're leading me. All those others, there may come a time in your life where you leave Wales Baptist Church and you're looking for another church. It's possible, and that's fine. Maybe God calls you to a different place, to a, to a different ministry. But listen, one thing you need to look for in whatever man of God you come across is that he is a man that you can tell he listened to God. God spoke to him. and God, Have you ever been sitting in, in, a, in a message or a service before and said, that thing was for me? Anybody in here, can I get a witness? That thing was for me. That's something where you can begin to see areas where God is speaking directly to you through whoever it is that's delivering the message, whoever it is that in the body of Christ has become the pastor, teacher, preacher, whatever the case may be. First thing, listen to God. You can't proclaim what you don't listen to. Let me show you what the successful pastor does. The successful priest realizes that he is, look at verse 7 of Malachi chapter 2 because we're going to go back to verse 2, but look at verse 7 for right now. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. You see that? A successful priest realizes, I am the messenger of God Almighty. How can I proclaim the message of God if I'm not listening to what he says? If I'm not listening to what he says and I'm proclaiming a message, whose message am I proclaiming? My message. And how much good can my message do for you? Absolutely nothing. He is the messenger. Teacher, you remember something. You are the messenger of the Lord of hosts. If you keep that in mind, your ear will become sensitive to say, God, show me. Show me what it is that I need to see. Not just one Wednesday night a month, not just one Sunday morning a month. You will actually listen to hear God say every week, every day by day, God, I'm sensitive to hear your voice. Show me what you want me to see. Moving on. Verse 2 of Malachi chapter 2. Not only would they not hear, but look what else. They would not take it to heart, or the King James Version says, 
lay it to your heart. They would not lay it to their heart or take it to their heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts. You know, the only reason we have ministry, the Bible said the end result of all the things that we do is till we all come to that perfect man. Why is God trying to bring us to the place of Christ's likeness? Why is God trying to perfect us? Why is He purifying us and making us holy? Why, what is the purpose in ministry? Why are we doing this? Because ultimately, what were you created to be? He said, let us make man in what? God said, I want to make man to look just like me. The end result is to bring you back to the place where you have fallen from. It is to bring you back to when people look at you, they don't see you. They look at you and they say, there's Jesus. There's Jesus right there. I see Him in the flesh right there. That is Jesus Christ. The first thing you need, the second thing you need to realize in a pastor or a teacher when you're looking for one or whenever you're trying to learn from one, you need to see a heart in that pastor or teacher that has such a burden for the glory of God that the only thing he wants to do is strive with you. The only thing that teacher wants to do is plead with you, is to stand up here. Do you know why I've spent the last few months up here trying to get you to pray for each other? How many, how many lessons have you heard on prayer? Do you know that was not just because I felt like teaching on prayer? You realize that God was trying to put it in your mind that prayer is the key for you to become everything that He means for you to be. Praying for one another. How much time have I spent up here telling you just find one area in your life that God is not pleased with? Just one and begin to work on it. And how many of you would be honest this morning and say, boy, I got off to a good start, but I just didn't, I didn't hang on real good. Got off to a good start with it. I'm trying my best. I want to see God glorified. Let me, how many of you know that He is worthy? Our God is a perfect God. He is awesome. He is mighty. If it were not for our God, you would vanish into dust the moment that He decided just not to think about you. The moment He took one instant, one millisecond to say, I will no longer think of Ricky Lee. You know what happens to Ricky Lee? That's it. He's gone. No more. And yet He looks down on each and every one of us as wretched sinners, as what we are. Come on, can I get a witness? He looks down on each one of us as wretched sinner, and He has so much love and compassion for us that He says, I'll come down and I'll die for them. I'll give my life just so that they can become everything that I want them to be. And I look at that and I go, wow. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And now my heart's desire as a pastor and your heart's desire as a teacher, it ought, you ought to lay it on your heart. Notice this is not just somebody who stands up and preaches to you about how good God's glory is. This is a man or a woman that stands before you and they have such a burden on their heart that they plead with you. 
that they do things that not all the church agrees with and not all the church will like just because they have the mindset of the bigger purpose of seeing you become everything that God wants you to be. The pastor stands before you and he says, listen, we've got to do this, this, and this, and I know some of you is not going to like it. We've got to have a meeting Sunday night and we've got to talk about this and this and this, and I know some of you is not going to like it, but guys... We, we're not displaying God's glory. We're failing. And that's my burden. I want to see you become everything that God wants you to be. And at the end of the day, I want to go home and I want to raise my hands and say, God, I can't do much. But I know some people at Wells Baptist Church are glorifying you because of the example that they're living by following the teachings that your son, by gazing at the perfections of Christ. You remember a few weeks ago the Bible tells us that we are being transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. He's transforming us by showing us the perfections of Jesus and we stand and we just gaze at how wretched we are and how perfect He is and we say, I want this out of my life and I want this in my life. And that's my desire. That's what it means to be born again, to have a changed mind, to have a changed heart. Pastors and teachers who are failing are not listening to God, number one. And they are not taking it to heart to give glory to God's name. They do not lay it on their heart. They do not put a desire on their heart to say, God, more than anything else, I want to see you glorified because that is the end result. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. Listen to what this says. This is Paul preaching. Paul said, Him we preach. Who's he preaching? Jesus Christ. He said, Him we preach. The perfections of Jesus. Everything that He is. The fullness of the glory of God. I stand up here and I preach Him to you with everything that I've got. I show you how perfect He is. And I warn every man. I don't take partiality to say, Well, you know... Eddie and Shirley's my mother and father-in-law, so i got to back off. I can't say nothing to them. i got to back off here and get over here on Wayne and Faye because they ain't my mother and father-in-law. They're my family, but I, I can get on them. I can't, I can't get on this side over here. No, that's showing partiality. He said, no, we warn every man and we teach every man in all wisdom that we may do what? Present every man perfect in Christ Jesus to this end. I also labor, striving according to His working which works mightily in me. He says, my end result of preaching, my end result of teaching is when I look at Mark Curley, and I don't see Mark Curley at all. I look at Mark Curley, and you know who I see? I see Christ. I see the image and the glory of God Almighty. When I look at Nick King, when I look at Ralph, when I look at these people, I don't see them. When I've reached my end result, I look at them and I'm able to now present them unto God. Perfect. In who? Christ Jesus. Not in themselves. In Christ. Next thing. This is our end goal. Look at Malachi chapter 2 verse 8. 
Got just a couple more and I'm done. And this is why I'm not going to worry about time this morning at all. So if you get out of here at 1, give God praise. If you get out of here at 2, praise Him still. Verse 8. But you have departed from the way. He said, priests, pastors, teachers, you were giving the gifts and the abilities to be able to see the way maybe even a little brighter than others are able to see it. Do you think that I sit down and read this word and interpret this thing of my own ability? Is there anyone that can do that on their own ability? But can everybody sit down and interpret the same way? Can you sit down this week and put yourself and put the church together a message that would open the scriptures to them and reveal Christ to them. Can, you, can everyone do that? There are some people that God has spiritually given the ability by His Holy Spirit and that alone. He has given them the ability to be able to sit down and rightly divide the word of truth and be able to present it to every man to preach, to warn, and to teach. And now He says the very ones that I have given that ability, the very ones that desired that place and were placed in it by Me, the very ones are the ones that now have departed from the way. They've departed from the way and they decided to compromise with the world. They've decided that they're more concerned about what the people think than what God thinks. Remember I told you that the people were bringing lame and sick sacrifices to the priest? Did the priest correct them? No. They took that sacrifice and they went in there and they said, Glory to God! Take our perfect sacrifice. I know it's just the leftovers, but I know you love it, God. No, we don't. Uh-uh. He said, you've departed from my way and you've compromised with the world. You've been wor more worried about the half the congregation that's more concerned about getting out at 12 o'clock than you were about delivering the word that God meant for them to hear. And you compromised. You compromised. You departed from the way. And that's just in one area. Look at other areas in your life to where you knew that this was something you weren't supposed to do. You knew this was something that was not God's ways, but what would you do anyway? You did it. You compromised. You said, God, I know this is not your way, but you know what? I, I really only want you to be Lord while I'm at church and in my home. When I go out and I'm in the workplace and I'm every other other place that I'm not supposed to be. I don't really need you there, God. Those are when my ways come in handy. We compromise and we depart from the way. And I'm going to tell you, that is not a pastor or teacher that you want. Matter of fact, when you see a pastor or teacher like this, I'm going to tell you what to do. If you ever look up here and you see Kevin Wells has departed from the way, I'm going to tell you what to do. You get up out of that pew and you run as fast as you can run and you leave this place and you never look back. Never. Until he's gone or until he has repented and he has changed his way, you run and you get out of here and you don't come back because that's not a place for you to set yourself under. Teachers, remember I said that. The next thing I see comes from verse 9. 
Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base. That word contemptible means worthless. That word base means the lowest or bottom part. In other words, these are the curses that we can expect to take place in our lives. Let me tell you something. Don't even put yourself in a place of pastor, teacher, or preacher if you're not going to do it to your fullest. If you're only going to halfway follow God in the things you're going to do, I'm speaking to every pastor, preacher, teacher in here, and I'm speaking to myself. If you ain't going to put your 100% into it, get out. Get out. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is a higher level of accountability that comes with it. There's a higher level of judgment. A scripture from James just pops to my mind. He said, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Huh? He said, because we shall receive a stricter judgment. Listen, we're going to stand in a higher line of accountability on that judgment day. It's not going to be the same level as everybody else stands on. We'll stand in a completely different line and we'll give an account to say, listen, I gave you the gifts and the abilities. I gave you everything you needed to do it. Tell me, how much did you put into it? Well, God, I gave you the leftovers. I gave you the leftovers. Now, I have also made you contemptible and base the lowest or the bottom part before all the people because you have not kept my ways but instead you have shown partiality in the law. He said, listen, I'm only going to enforce these laws. <laughs> Ronnie, how easy is it for us to ignore things that we know is not right? It's easy for us to do it though, ain't it? We try to find ways to keep from having to Sit down with Ricky Lee to be able to say, Ricky, you know, uh, brother, I'm not judging you, but, man, you're in the wrong. We don't want to sit there and, and look at Fagan and say, Fagan, I'm, I'm not, I promise, I'm, I'm not trying to lift myself up and say I'm higher than you, but, brother, you're in the wrong. You've got to come out of this thing. No, instead, we just want to sit back and we're kind of like, how many of you remember the story of the woman that was caught red-handed in adultery? She was caught red-handed, right? If she was caught red-handed, how come she was the only one there? Where's the man? She's caught red-handed. Hello, can you get caught red-handed without the man? No, but yet she's caught red-handed and yet she's the only one there. Guess what? We don't get to sit out there and point fingers at the woman and then sit back there and watch your friend doing the same thing and say absolutely nothing. You don't show partiality, teachers and pastors, but instead you look at everyone the same. And I don't care if it's your best, best buddy or your worst enemy, you look out there and if you see areas that need to change, you go mercifully and compassionately and you go up to them and you try to pull them away from this thing. The Bible says that they had caused many to stumble in verse 8. Look at verse 8 of Malachi 2. But you have departed from the way, and because of it you have caused many to stumble at the law. He said a bad pastor, a bad teacher, a failure in their part will not only make them look bad, but it's also going to cause the congregation to stumble too. Because let me tell you, the pastor had every right when they would bring the lame and sick lamb, the pastor had every right to look out and see the people are only given the leftovers. The pastor had every right to say, you know what? No more. The priest had every right 
to shut the fire down on the altar and say, I will not accept this lame and sick sacrifice for my God is worthy of more than that. My God is worthy of more than, than your half-hearted worship, Kevin Wells. My God is worthy of more than your half-hearted sermon, Kevin Wells. My God is worthy of more than your 30 minutes a, 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 a morning or night that you sit down in prayer to talk to Him and then the rest of the day you don't even think of Him. My God is worthy of more than that and now I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down until we get this thing right. I'm not going to cause you to stumble. No. He sat back and He let them bring the lame. He let them bring the sick and He said absolutely nothing. And because of that, they stumbled. They stumbled. And it was His duty to lead them out of it. Let me show you what a good pastor does. A good pastor or a good preacher starting in verse 6 of Malachi 2. First off, the law of truth was in his mouth. He ain't speaking lies to you. He ain't speaking his own opinions to you. But instead, he's speaking the truth of God's word to you, whether you like it or not. The truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He was equal all the way around. He was not unjust and allowed this one to continue, but said something to this one. No, he spoke it even all the way around. This is where it is. This is how it's got to be. He's... He walked with me in peace and equity. He walked with me. He didn't walk away from my ways. He walked with me. And even when he knew that people weren't going to like everything that he said, even when he knew that people weren't going to like every decision that he made, did he just sit down and say, well, I'm not going to do it because they're not going to like it? No. He stepped up and he said, God, if this is your way, we're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to lead them in it. We're going to do exactly as you say. He walked with me in peace and equity. And then look at the last part. The great result of this, he turned many from iniquity. See, let me explain something to you. The ones that he allowed to stumble in the law, guess what happened to them when they died? But the ones that he led them to turn away from iniquity, guess what happened to them when they died? Look at James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. That was my last point. Look at James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Pastors and teachers, listen. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from what? And cover a multitude of sins. When you turn that one back around instead of sitting back and saying nothing, but when you pastor and teach the way that you should, even if you end up making someone mad and upset because they don't like what you've said to them, as long as you've done it in a merciful, compassionate, loving manner, the way that Christ would have you do it, the Bible says, brethren, if a brother among you has fallen away, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You call them to the side and in a spirit of gentleness you restore them. And when you turn one back from their sinful ways, from the error of his way, you will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's a good pastor. That's a good teacher. You may not like what he has to tell you, 
You may not like everything. But the one thing that you should hear is this. You are to hear God's voice coming from him. You are to hear God's voice and you are to hear that there's a burden on his heart to see you become everything that God means for you to be. You are to see that in his mindset, he's never going to be satisfied with where you're at or where he's at because he knows we can do better than what we do. A good pastor is not going to sit back and just pat all the time and, and all the time. A good pastor is going to, in love and encouragement, stand up and say, Fagan, you can do better than what you're doing, brother. Ralph, you can do better than what you're doing. You're doing great. Oh, I don't know where I'd be without you. I don't, but Pat, you can do better than what you're doing. You can step it up. You can become more of what he wants you to be and you can begin to put more of you down and bring less and bring more of him in. That's what a good pastor is going to do. Is everybody going to like it? No. But a good pastor and a good teacher, they're going to do that and they're not going to fail at it. Two reasons why I feel like that possibly God had me preach this message. You have to look at it for yourself and see. Um, I don't know. Maybe half of you in here is looking for a new pastor and a new church. I don't know. But uh, whatever the case may be, you see for yourself what the purpose of this is. I'm going to go through these one more time real quick. <clears throat> the first thing, he listens to God. He does not follow his own desires and his own hearts. He listens to God. Second thing, he has a heart to see God glorified. He has a heart to see you become everything that he knows you can be. The third thing, he does not turn from God's ways, but he walks with God. He walks with God in everything, no matter whether he agrees with it or not. Bottom line is God is right, and if this is his way, I'm going to walk in it. Number four, <clears throat> he teaches all the laws. He does not avoid the ones that displease him or others. He teaches the truth from God's word. And the last one, he turns many from iniquity. He don't make people stumble by sitting back and saying nothing. He turns them and he saves a soul from death. And he brings them to righteousness in Jesus Christ. Closing, why is this teaching important for me to know? Well, first off, listen. I won't be here forever. I'm not telling you that... that Ten years from now, I'm resigning. I'm not telling you a year from now, I'm resigning. I'll, I'm telling you that I know I won't be here forever. Because you know what? Even if I never resign as pastor from Wells Baptist Church, I've been here 14 years. What makes you think I'm quitting now? Even if I never resign from Wells Baptist Church, guess what? One day I'm going to die. My life is temporary. One day many of you will probably attend my funeral. That's a promise. And when you do, there will be another pastor search committee formed. And then it will be your duty to sit back and select a man that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, has all of these qualities in his heart. And if he has these things in his heart, or he, has failed in, or he fails in these things in any way, then you know that he will either be a successful pastor, or you know that he will be a failure at pastor, one of the two. And we've seen both ways in many churches all across the, the county and the world. We've heard of failed pastors. We've heard of failed leaders. And it was important that they be examples because what happens when the leader fails? How many do they drag down with them? The same way.
So I will not be here forever. That's one reason why it's important for you to remember this teaching. Another reason is because, guess what? I'm not perfect. <laughs> That's right. I am not perfect. I have faults. I have failures. There may come a day when you see me in one of these failures. And then are you just going to sit back and watch me fall? I hope not because I didn't sit back and watch you. I sit back and I preached and I pleaded and I begged. And you know what I expect from you when I'm in that place? The same thing. The same thing. I need your accountability. I am just like you. I am not on a higher level. I'm on a higher level of judgment is what I'm on. We're on the same level. I need the same accountability from you that you get from me. So I need you to know what my duties are towards you. I need to know what you should be looking for when you hear me preach. Not just a good Bible study. Anybody can lead a good Bible study. You need to hear the inspired Word of God. There are times that you need to have your heart pricked. If your heart ain't getting pricked, I probably ain't doing my job. There are times whenever you need to hear the truth of God's Word whether you like it or not. And if you're not seeing those things and you're seeing failures in me, then I need to be held accountable. So I pray this morning, these are just a very small part of my responsibilities towards you. Next week, I think I'm going to cover some of your responsibilities toward me. But I hope that above all that God's purpose has been carried out in your hearts. I don't know even how to give an invitation for this, but I'm going to tell you what this is. This is a place for you to humble yourself before God and for you to give your heart to Him for whatever it is. I may not have preached on your burden this morning that you're struggling with, but let me tell you, I don't have to preach on your burden because there's one who understands all of your weaknesses. You understand that, right? And it ain't me. I can understand maybe a few of your weaknesses, but there's one you can humble yourself in front of and He understands every burden. He understands every tear. If there's something that I can help you with personally this morning, I invite you to do that. But I'm going to ask you to stand and surely come. I'm going to say a prayer asking God to anoint this message and I'm just going to open this altar for whatever the need that you need is this morning. Again, if there's something I can do to help you, that's why I'm here this morning. Hold me accountable. Know what to look for in the man and the woman as teachers that stands before you and delivers the word, uh, whatever God may give them to deliver. Let me pray. Father, this morning I come to you and I thank you for just giving the truth of your word. And Father, I pray this morning that, that you would cause this word to do whatever purpose you had for it, God. Lord, I, I don't know everything that you meant for this word to accomplish. It may not have been for more than two people in the entire congregation. I don't know, God. But, Father, I know that you said when your word goes forth, it will not return unto you void. You will cause it to do what you sent it out to do. And, Father, my prayer is that you would be doing that right now as I speak. Father, I love you and I thank you and I want to see you glorified above all else because you are worthy. Father, I just pray that you would continue to work in our lives Father, if there's some here this morning that started working on things that you showed them did not belong, but they've gotten away from it, I pray that a spirit of repentance would be in them this morning and that they would begin again to become everything that you want them to be. 
And Father, I just pray that if, if prayer had been started and they've slacked off prayer for one another, God, I pray another spirit of repentance would be in them and that they would have a spirit of a desire to pray to you for, for the perfection of the saints in your body, God. Father, I pray that whatever you want accomplished, that you do it this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.